For 30 years now, the identity of the man buried here, in Adelaide, has remained a mystery. At first, his death aroused little interest. Later, it was to become one of Australia's most baffling cases. There were two questions. Who was he? And how did he die? by the good people at the Podbelly Network. My fellow Americans, we are fortunate to be alive. They need them to protect us from the number one killer in history. Protect us from the central university. A study on the wise real 290. A study on Facebook or whatever, but fucking the devil and fucking self was trying to keep us from recording this episode that needs to be put out into the fucking ether. <sighs> Folks, <laughs> the reptilians are at it again. The globalist and Hillary Clinton don't want you to know the truth. And what the truth is, is we're about to tell you on episode 228 of the Art Jacob Do America podcast. I am the host today, in the place to be, Mr. Jacob P. And sitting right across from me is really lovely, brown recluse, Mr. Art Trail, on a Saturday night. Yeah, man, it's wild. You ready for uh, football tomorrow? Whoop. (laughs) You ready ready for... uh, Are you ready for some football? Is that what you meant to say? Are you you ready for some football tomorrow? Yes. Uh, I am. I'm excited. Sound excited. I'm really excited. Guys, go to cavemancoffee.com. Uh, check out their entire inventory. They got the uh, they got the coffee beans. They got the hibiscus tea. They got the cacao butter. They got the sweatpants. They got the hats. Check it all out. You'll find something you are guaranteed to love. Uh, Halloween is coming up. They don't have anything Halloween related. <laughs> oh, wait. They have the pumpkin... Uh, Pumpkin spice. The pumpkin spice latte. Yeah, try that out. That's kind of Halloween related. That's autumn related. Yeah. Uh, Check it. Check it all out. Uh, They, uh, if you uh, type in America at checkout, you will see fifteen percent off. That fifteen percent off goes towards helping the podcast. We appreciate. They appreciate. Take a picture of yourself wearing the hat, drinking the the uh, the pumpkin spice Mm. harvest latte with a nice like turtleneck sweater. That's how I picture it. You know. Yeah, yeah, man. That sounds so fun. Going uh, out to your balcony, just holding the cup like this and looking yeah. out into the autumn. Do mist. one of those things where you gather all the leaves up, you know, all the, the ten leaves in your backyard to like <laughs> throw them up in your in the air, or whatever. That sounds like a beautiful harmony. Like, to pretend card. to pretend that we live in like Portland, Maine, or something like that. It's like, <laughs> dude, we live in Bakersfield, California. There's like more dirt 
than like there's more valley fever than there is like, fucking dude, autumn don't, leaves. Don't do that, dude. There's valley fever in those leaves. Dude, do you want to fucking have fucking valley fever? Yeah. Anyways, guys, type in America at checkout to receive fifteen percent off. Tag yourself wearing the hats, uh, drinking the coffee, drinking the cacao butter. Tag them. Tag us. It shows that you, you uh, shows that you care. <laughs> yes. And speaking of caring, and speaking of sponsors, guys, make sure you go to our great and powerful sponsor. SKR Apparel, a.k.a. Sucre Apparel, at SucreApparel.com, uh, where you'll find it an array of beautiful shirts, notebooks, socks, all sorts of things that you can um, you know, wear and use in your everyday life. Uh, but go to SucreApparel.com, like our boy Jesus, who's pretty much owns the whole collection. And then Art over here is wearing this like yeah, Ram's man. Head shirt from SKR Apparel badass shirt and if you want a badass shirt too or if you want a badass coffee mug like i have right here in front of me guys go to sucreapparel.com enter promo code art and jacob and the great and powerful nicole smith bosch will give you 10 percent off your entire purchase but art we're not here to talk about autumn leaves and portland maine and uh fucking ram's heads it looks like huh. satan himself we're here to do, we're here to do the lord's work and talk about somebody's body but not just anybody's body. And I'm not talking about like that late 90s song by Keith Sweat and Gerald LeVert and um, the other dude. Uh, body. What is that? Um, I have no idea what you're talking about. You don't know that song? It was like right up there with like Pony by Genuine, but it was like all over my body. I don't know that one. All over my body, girl. No, they didn't play that one in the box when I used to watch <laughs> Dude, it was like all over KKXX, The Rhythm of the Valley. I don't, I don't know that one. Oh, wow. Okay, I feel like an idiot for fucking no, bringing that. No, it's fine. <laughs> don't worry about it. Somebody's not listening to fucking Art LeBeau on a Sunday night. Sorry, I don't know that one. Okay. No, that's. I would play it, but I don't want to get fucking kicked off of YouTube again. But um, Art, we're here to talk about a great unsolved and powerful. Mis- powerful. <laughs> unsolved. <laughs> mystery <laughs> unsolved mystery art you it, this is your topic why don't you uh, tell the people about this it this is a this is one that's long overdue i suppose uh this is the the summerton man uh a lot of people some people call it the uh the tama tama shod tamam shud case yeah tamooch shud case um guys i call it the summerton man most people call it the summerton man um it's long overdue. Actually, this is one of the, the 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 topics that I wanted to do, like before we even like started doing a podcast. Oh, and, really? And the and the I don't know how for some reason I thought we had already covered this, and um, I'm kind of glad that we're finally covering it because it's long overdue. I was like, I just assumed we covered it like back in the day when Eric was in the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was like, oh, this is weird that we haven't covered this. Yeah, just so yeah. We're, so we're doing it again on. We're so we're doing it. Not again, but we're finally doing it on a Saturday night. So yeah, uh, is that a song? It should be something on a Saturday night. Nope, never mind. Saturday nights are all right for fights. I know that's a song. I think that's an Elton John song or whatever. Um, but no, um, the best way I can like explain this case is it's kind of like Australia's version of the Black Dahlia murder. So um, go ahead and check out that episode. I forgot what episode it was. Uh, but it's pretty much like the same thing. So, Art, do you want to go ahead and uh, jump into pretty much from yeah, square one? I mean, okay, so we're going to take you back to 1948. Uh, try to remember. Jacob, where were you in 1948? I, I would say I wasn't. No, I probably wasn't my dad's ball sack. My dad was born in 1945. Okay, so you were, oh, 
So you, you were in your dad's baby ball sack. Yeah, I was. <laughs> you, you're making fun of him. Like, dude, you're making fun of your own dad going, dude, you're a virgin. <laughs> Bro, you got to lose that virginity eventually. Stop putting the pussy on a pedestal. Uh, anyways, yeah, so this is 1948. Um, this is, um, we're in Australia. Have we ever done one in Australia before? I don't think so, no. I don't think we've ever covered anything from Australia before. ACDC, Kylie Minogue. Uh, ACDC's from Australia? Yeah, you didn't know that? No, I'm not a big ACDC guy. Well, yeah. Everything is like, eh, let's, let's talk about ACDC here for a minute. A lot of what ACDC does is like, Stop giving my suck my balls. <laughs> <laughs> Lightning strikes again. Suck my balls. <laughs> didn't I just write like 10 ACDC songs? Like ACDC was... Was Rob Zombie before <laughs> Rob Zombie? Where it's just like there's only like so many topics that they can cover. It's like Ooh. it's like lightning balls, <laughs> lightning balls, lightning balls strikes again, or something like that. Like it's like explosions and balls and like bells. Yeah, it's like everything is like very cheesy. Uh, <laughs> I do have the Tom McFarlane figure back oh, there. Okay, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's. They're 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 Rob Zombie before there was a Rob Zombie. Like, Rob Zombie expanded a little more. Like Rob Zombie started covering like demons. He's playing the guitar. If he's going, uh, gonna suck some balls tonight. <laughs> there you go. Nice little accoutrement for the pod. There you go. We're on a way to hell. Yeah. It's Kylie Minogue, Crocodile Hunter, uh, Crocodile uh-huh. Dundee. I don't uh, even know, dude. Super underrated. Yeah, she um uh, she did the locomotion in the eighties, then came back in the late nineties slash early two thousand. Was that la 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 la? I know you know that song. Uh, yeah, I know that song. Can't get you out of my head. That's a great song. Yeah, that's that. That even that beat that it, it has more of, it has more of like a German nightclub vibe to it at that point. But Which still, I fully appreciate. Yeah. Oh, German nightclub music is like. Like super underrated. Shout out to anybody in Germany listening to this. Like, yeah. you guys, your your nightclub scene is what I imagine like hell to be like. <laughs> like, I can't, I can't hang with that. Even when I was at my prime, when I was like in my, when I was twenty three years old and I could drink like an entire case of Coronas. Like, <laughs> even then, it's like no, I can't hang with these like German nightclub people. No, like that shit. Like they're all like fucking strapped up in like leather like onesies or whatever like dancing the night away like it's like dude no that's too much ex- that's extreme dude you're doing the lord's work at yeah that like point, even yeah. rammstein is like we're, we're the positive alternative to the german nightclub scene <laughs> they're the mormons of yeah. the fucking night <laughs> <laughs> like you that are pretty tame compared to whatever is happening in the german nightclub scene true uh but december 1st 1948 what happened on the beach of somerton australia okay so i believe it was two gentlemen Two jockeys, I believe. Two jockeys are riding their horses. They see a man laying on the beach. They don't think much of it. They're just like, huh, that guy's just enjoying some good old-fashioned sun rays in his, in his three-piece suit, uh, as you do. Mm-hmm. And uh, later on, they come back around, and they notice that he's still laying in the exact same position. So they're like, hey, let me just ask this old chap if he's all right. <laughs> and um, and then they find out that he's not all right. He's dead. <laughs> yeah. Uh, case solved. Done. Can't get you out of my mind. Anyways, guys, um, so they find out that he's dead. Um, obviously, they're freaked out. They alert the authorities. The authorities show up. Um, 
And they quickly do a quick investigation. Right off the bat, things don't look right. Uh, as they as they look, doesn't look like he's very old. He looks like he's probably in his mid forties. Mm-hmm. Uh, he appears to be in great shape. Doesn't appear to be you know that doesn't look like he died of a heart attack or anything like that. Um, uh, it just it it all just looks very odd. Doesn't look like there's any stab wound. Doesn't look like he was murdered. Doesn't look like he was shot. No struggle. No like vomit mark or vomit marks like vomit or anything like around him. Uh, he is one thing that was pointed out too is he was wearing like uh, recently shined shoes. Something that you probably wouldn't be wearing on a beach where you're gonna get fucking sand in every crevice. Yeah. Um. But right off the bat, it just sticks out, right? I yeah. mean. Who do you, when's the last time you went to the beach and saw someone wearing a suit? Yeah. Ever. Never. Me neither. And I even went to the Zodiac Killer Beach yeah. recently and I didn't see that shit. Yeah. I've never seen anyone wearing a suit at a beach and I live on a beach. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Life's a beach. Life's, you son of a beach. Um, anyways, the, the, the police officer right, right off the bat thinks something is, something is strange here. Something smells fishy. Beach pun, mm. um, anyways. So it just it it smells fishy, um, right off the bat. He thinks that it's probably poisoning. Either mm. he was poisoned or he poisoned himself. Um, but he thinks that something that was foul play here. Uh, they take it into the to to the coroner's office for a further investigation. Uh, and then this is really where things start to get a little bit, you know, abnormal. Uh, because right off the bat, they notice a few things about his body, and this is these are important things. So, one, he's very muscular. Mm-hmm. He's a very muscular guy. He has very muscular calves, uh, which- like high calves too. So, like usually, I heard a, like a few other podcasts um, say like, oh, maybe he was like a footballer, or maybe you know he was a runner, or you know this, that, or another. Maybe he was a bodybuilder, even though like bodybuilding wasn't even a big thing at that time. So it was very it was. It, the 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 position of the muscle uh, was very telling because like if he was like a you know a soccer player or like a runner you'd have actually smaller calves because you know that's more of like an explosive trait if you have like large if you look like somebody who's running like the hundred meter dash they have very thick thighs very thick uh, you know calf muscles it's just uh-huh. everything's really thick because it's meant for explosive movement. But, you know, people that, you know, have to, like, run, like, long distances and stuff like that. You're going to have, like, more slender muscles to, you know, keep endurance. And so what they were speculating is just, like, hmm, like, the actual corners. Like, maybe he was, like, some kind of dancer or maybe perhaps, like, a male ballerina because his shoes or his toes were actually, like, in a point. You know, something very similar to, like, what a ballerina would experience when they have, like, those pointy shoes. And it was almost, like, I don't want to call it, like, a hoof, but it was, like, his toes were all like closed together because it seemed like they were, you know, encapsulated. So those two things combined was like, Hey, maybe he was like some kind of traveling ballerina or something like that. Not, not necessarily, not necessarily, uh, you know, uh, like a, like I said, like a bodybuilder, you know, maybe like a David Beckham of his time or whatever, but just like you said, he very built, like he had just like done a performance of like the nutcracker suite. Perhaps, um, but yeah, they really can't pinpoint like what about the calves. They also notice that his uh, spine is enlarged. He has an enlarged spleen. Not his a spleen <laughs> is enlarged, which uh, doesn't you know it looks strange. But they think that it's from a previous medical condition unrelated to his death. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Uh, there were a few other traits that were... So the autopsy revealed that he had small vessels of the brain, uh, congestion of the pharynx, which is like, I guess, like the tube that like leads down to your stomach. Um, the gullet was covered in white layers of mucus with an ulcer in the middle. Uh, he had a deeply congested stomach and duodenum. I guess like that's like the first like little tube that leads out of your stomach. Uh, blood was mixed in with his food in his stomach. Both kidneys were congested. Uh, he had great excess of blood in his liver. Um, and then his spleen was, the coroner wrote on there, strikingly large. Uh, and he noted it was three times the normal size of a, you know, a normal spleen. Uh, and it had centered deconstruction. So it looked like this had been something that had been happening like over time. Uh, and then he had hemorrhaging of the lining of the inner stomach. But they were able to see that like hours previous to his death, he had eaten a pastry that was not poisoned. So if they did think it was poisoning, it was not due to the pastry found in his stomach. What was the name of the pastry? It was like a fancy like... Oh, a pasty. They were calling it. Oh, yeah. It it looked really fancy. It was like a... Like a... Kind of like a crescent roll. Yeah, or croissant. Yeah, it was it was pretty cool looking. Um... But um, but yeah, a lot of a lot of little red flags uh, tend to pop up during this during this time period. Um, I believe it's actually a month later from from when his body is found and discovered on the beach that they, uh, unless you have something else, but this is that's basically what I found. Like it's about a month later. Mm-hmm. Um, that so about January fourteenth. So he's they find him December first, and around like January fourteenth, this is when they find. They so they find a, a a suitcase in the train station that uh, apparently belonged to him. Um, they open it up as you do, you know. Legally, you have to, you got to do it, man. You get, you got to investigate. And, uh, and and a lot of podcasts like I was listening to, they were saying like, oh, they're invading the privacy. How do they know this wasn't somebody else? Well, it had been sitting in the train station's uh, cloak check-in room for quite a while. Um, even like when you travel, you know, in an airport, you know, and you check your luggage in, you know, at the airport or whatever, after they let you know straight up after a certain amount of time, we're, if you don't come and check this, like when you're supposed to get it, like we're going to open it up and we're going to find out like what's going on. It could be turned into the police. Like, you know, after a certain amount of time, this is no longer your property. So just to throw that out there. Yeah. So they find it, it, it has a couple of like interesting, uh, clothing items, uh, basically, all the clothes in there have the tags removed. Um, the, they have labels written on them, though. They have the, the name Keen written in two different spellings. I don't know if this is going to play anything down the line, but they have it spelled K-E-A-N-E and then K-E-A-N. Sorry. Um, so there's two different spellings to the way that King appear, Keen appears. Um, they also find uh, wax tread, which is apparently like used. It wasn't even common in in Australia, though. You I could believe, only buy it in America. Yeah, it, it, yeah. It was in, like the the brand. It was like, a specific brand that the wax tread was being used. It was an American one. So they later on believe that he he was either traveling through America right before he landed in Australia. Um, but very interesting. Right off the bat, the missing tags are is like. Something abnormal is mm-hmm. happening there. The fact that he um, had no identification, no identification, nobody had identified him in the last month. They so he definitely wasn't a local. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Anything else? Is there anything else in the suitcase that I'm missing? Well, one thing that I thought was funny is that I was trying to listen to like a lot of podcasts that like were like from Australia because, like I said, this is like their Black Dahlia murder, yeah. and uh, they were every time they would say this word, like it was off. Like it's funny, like there's little things, like yeah, we both speak English, but Australians just speak English wrong, I guess. <laughs> but yeah. so, anyways, in the suitcase, they they found an aluminum comb. Uh, which you can only, at that time after the war, you can only find in America because, like, rations and, you know, aluminum was, was scarce in the land down under. Uh, but the way that they would say aluminum was fucking hilarious. Like, any time they would say it, it was, like, aluminum or something like that. It was, like, almost like condominium. And like uh-huh. I was like, what the fuck is that? What, ma- what We're at in the, ta- the the periodic table of contents or elements. Does this aluminum condominium appear at or whatever, right? So I just thought that, like, that was hilarious. But, yes, he had, like, this aluminum comb. Uh, he had this thread um, that will later on play a role in, you know, what we'll find later on on the person of uh, this, uh, this uh, Summerton man. Uh, he had the thread and a lot of items that you you know would not necessarily be found you know in Australia. He actually had like a a pack of uh, juicy fruit gum, which was not like a popular uh, thing mm-hmm. in Australia. So you're very much right. So yeah, he, he was very much not somebody that was from uh, the area. And then they also noted that the suitcase was checked into this cloakroom uh, November 30th, so just a day before the Summerton man was found on the beach. Hmm, interesting. Very interesting. I thought of something right now, and, and, and I forgot about it already. <laughs> uh, damn, I wish I could remember what I was going to say. Oh, it's it's gone. If it's important, it'll come back. Yes. Uh, so anyways, they do this, uh, what they call like an inquest. And again, I thought it was like one of those like funky ass words, like aluminum that they, you know, they were getting wrong. But I guess an inquest is like a death investigation, like whenever there's a, like a John Doe or... Uh, you know, an unidentified person because they had put out the, like, it, you got to think like this is 1948. Like they don't have the World Wide web. Like they don't even have like, I don't even know if they even have like telegraphs at this point or whatever. Well, so sure they do. Telegraphs have been around for a while. You know what? I just realized what I was going to say. Um, Australia. Um, there's a movie called Wolf Creek. Have you ever seen Wolf Creek? I've seen of it. I haven't heard, I haven't seen it. Okay. Wolf Creek is like one of the most underrated horror films. It's a great movie. I would say just stop watching it like seven minutes before the end and done. It'd be a perfect movie. Okay. <laughs> but uh, up until then, it's a pretty great movie. Shout out to Australia and Wolf Creek. Nice. But anyways. It's a real I, place. Oh, really? Yeah. It's, it's, a re- it's on... actually based on a, a real murder down there. Oh, okay. But shout out to that movie. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Go ahead. So anyways, they start to do this uh, inquest, uh, which is a death investigation. They put all their feelers out, you know, locally to say like, hey, like, is this is anybody's dad or grandpa, uncle, brother, son or anything like that? Like, hey, like this is these are the facts that we know. So they were, th- they were throwing all these facts locally. Nobody claimed a body. And then what they started to do is is like like nationally, you know, they started or internationally, I should say, you know, to all the English speaking uh, countries. Uh, they started, you know, put out their feelers like, hey, like, is there a T. Keen that, you know, has gone missing, like a missing persons report, you know, like all throughout America, all through Europe and, you know, whatnot to try to see like, hey, is this again, is this somebody's loved one? You know, like we need to identify or, you know, ship this body because, hey, it's starting to rot. Like, you know, they all the while, like this whole month later, like they still have like his body like on ice and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And so what they do is, is uh, they start, um, you, know, you know, they do the autopsy and then they pump him full of 
usually like what they do like when you when they embalm somebody is they put it like in your artery and they let like you know the embalming fluid like go all throughout your body uh but since they had done the uh, the autopsy right away to figure out you know what the cause of death was is they couldn't do that and so what they did is like they went around his body with a syringe just like you know randomly like putting you know embalming fluid in him and so it wasn't as effective. So his body started to rot. And what they did is they sent his body to uh, this like museum where like this taxidermy guy uh, made a plaster cast of his body. So they were just like, hey, we need to just hurry up and just bury this body. The Red Cross will fucking, you know, front the bill, you know, for any burial expenses. But like, hey, like we can't just have like this rotting foreigner dude's body like here, like on our fucking, you know, coroner's office for months and months while, you know, it goes unclaimed. So they bury the body. And um, they start this inquest. And so they note like a lot of the, the weird things like the coroner was just like, hey, he was wearing very clean shoes uh, and it had no scuff marks. So it wasn't like he walked down into the beach and laid down against because the way he was found, he was kind of found like propped up like he had like, you know, he was like reading the newspaper, like laying down against like the seawall. So, like, his head was very much kind of propped up and, like, the rest of his body was laying flat. They noted that, like, if he would have done that in the condition that his shoes would have been, like, there would have been some, like, scuffing of his shoes. Uh, So, it looked as if, like, he had been brought there. Like, somebody had carried him over their shoulder and, you know, kind of placed him against the seawall. They actually noted that, like, hey, there there was, uh, there seemed to be, like, a cigarette an unused cigarette that was placed underneath his collar to kind of like make it look like, Oh, like he had, you know, gone to sleep and maybe, you know, you know, died in his sleep or whatever, you know, trying to drink or smoke a cigarette at the, you know, last fleeting moments of his life. And it was like all these like just weird coincidences too. Like there was no sense, you know, like when you walk like on the beach, like you start to kick up sand, like, and it gets like in the, like every crevice of your body or whatever. Like there was no sand like in the cuffs of the pants, which very much would have happened given like the the nature of like his shoes, like sand would have flipped it to his cuffs. So that the coroner noted, hey, this dude was like placed here. This dude did not walk up to the beach and lay down and die. And um, even uh, another person, uh, Cedric Stanton Hicks, a professor at the University, University of Adelaide, um, said that it was very possibly that he was poisoned. And he said under oath, Uh, during I guess like this not a trial but like an official like you know government meeting where it was all being recorded that it's very possible that he was poisoned but wouldn't say by what because the coroner said like he couldn't find anything in his body like when they did like the toxicology on it they couldn't find anything in his body that would have indicated you know poisoning like we mentioned like all of you know the engorged uh, organs and you know uh, you know vessels and whatnot but which is consistent with poisoning, but the coroner could not find any poison. And uh, this uh, professor at the University of Adelaide, he said, like, it's very possible that two specific drugs could have done this. Yeah. And they would have, like, quickly metabolized out of his system, even if, like, he would have died right away. And he wouldn't say it, um, you know, publicly. Or, uh, I know. the the, the They asked him to write it down. Yeah, so they, he wrote it down on a piece of paper. And he, like, kind of slid it across the desk to, like, I guess a police officer. And they those two drugs, the names of those two drugs weren't released to the public until, like, the 1980s. Yeah, it's pretty wild. And they're, they're out now, so you can go ahead and just Google those. <laughs> um, <laughs> you can get them off the dark web. Um, but, no, you can actually get them from a chemist, I guess, pretty easily. And it's called Digitalis and Uabane. Oh, damn. that's a, That sounds like a, Ma- a Harry Potter spell. <laughs> um, yeah, no, um... 
One thing I think we didn't mention is in that suitcase, they also found a pack of cigarettes. Mm. And the pack of cigarettes uh, had one brand on the outside, but the cigarettes inside were a different brand, mm. uh, which is peculiar. Yeah. I, saw, I heard one podcast was talking about that, and they said that what a lot of people would do is that the there was a certain brand, or the brand that had like the fancy tin case or whatever, uh, people would buy that one time and then put cheaper cigarettes in it just to make give mm. it the illusion that they're smoking like a, a better version or whatever. Oh, uh, perhaps, yeah. I didn't think about that. But I believe there was also like two blades of grass that were found on his body. Mm, I didn't see this. Um, yeah, there were like two blades of grass found in his body that like indicated that like he had like, they were still like fresh blades of grass that indicated that he had been somewhere like in a in a grassy area like relatively recently because the grass was still like fresh it was and apparently like the that that first guy that had examined him did kind of a shitty job because didn't really like <laughs> look too too far into like the you know like the blades of grass weren't found all these other things weren't found until like the second guy decided to investigate him and his and his clothing um uh, his clothing was very peculiar as well okay what was wrong with that well um well, I was, I was obviously there's like one big thing about his clothing. So his clothing is like pretty much all handmade. Mm-hmm. That's one of those things that's like kind of unique, even for the time era. I know that you know, you know, people were still having their clothes handmade at this time, but it was people were going away from that. Like things like like uh, like I think Sears was already a thing, and I think um, what's the one the Woolworths? Woolworths were already like a thing. Like mm-hmm. you can, there was like mass production of clothing at this point already and it wasn't uncommon to have those types of things it seems like he had he was a he looked a little bit like well-to-do like he had a suit on and he had like maybe he maybe he wasn't that well-to-do if he was still like buying cheap cigarettes and putting them in fancier cases but um the thing that you know makes this case and this is the first big like ah oh, that's interesting um sewed into the his pants pocket in a tiny little little hidden compartment there was a, a rolled up little note in there. Mm-hmm. And I think that's this is where the case really takes its turn. Yeah, so um, the the note that was on there, and you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, was it's, it, you, you can see it like on the Wikipedia too, or you can Google image it. It's like this little square piece that was found like in the, I don't, I don't I've, I've heard people talk about this, like it's like a, like a coin pocket, like on the inside roll of your pants. I haven't. Well, this is unique to his own thing because he, the 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 guy that was investigating it was so small that he had to use tweezers mm-hmm. to pull it out. So this was definitely not intended for coins or anything like that. Yeah, and um, remember when we were talking about the the little like uh, spool of uh, string that that he found like in the the suitcase? Uh, the it look had it looks like somebody had placed that there, that little coin pocket, or you know, in the inner side of the the pants. It looks like they actually like homemade that and like sewed that into his pants uh, manually. So it was like something that was added on later with the exact same string that was found in the suitcase. And um, this little piece of paper um, said to mom shoot on it. And um, 
you know, the investigators were just like, okay, what is this? Like, this is big because it doesn't look like, you know, he went down to Sears or he went down to Woolworths and bought these pants. Mm -hmm. And then just like, you know, this is just what, this is just what they, this is just like a hidden treasure. This is an Easter egg. Like whenever you buy some Sears pants, you're going to get like something in like a Persian, like a, like a fortune cookie like in your pants. You're going to get a secret fortune, like in the fucking coin per the coin pocket of your pants or whatever. Uh, so they were like, no, this definitely looks like it was placed there either by the Somerton man or by somebody else. And what Tamam Shud means in Farsi or in Persian, uh, depending on what podcast you listen to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you Google it and it comes up as it's a Farsi saying uh, that pretty much means um, a variety of different things. That It's over. It's done with the end. It's finished or just simply like done, like finito, fin, finished. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's very poetic. A lot of that that's kind of like a the book that it comes from is almost like this self-help book. Mm-hmm. Um The Rubaiyat. Yeah, The Rubaiyat. Uh it, it's kind of this very self-help book that um that was like popular in the times. Mm. It was It's kind of like a Drake album now or some shit. Yeah. <laughs> is it Drake? Uh, I don't know. But um but um but it was like very popular in its times, and it was very like, um, um, it was kind of like the the thing. Apparently, because I had never heard about this, you know, I, other than this case, this book would probably have been forgotten over the over the years because I had never heard about it until this case. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I thought it was I thought it was very. Um, See, and I thought the same thing too. I was just like, well, this is a fucking random book. Like case closed. Like we just got to find like. Uh, you know who has this book or whatever because surely like not a lot of people you know in australia at this time is going to be reading this book for fuck's sake you know they're too busy listening to acdc and kylie minogue mm-hmm. um can't get you out of my head yeah. and um <laughs> what rhymes with balls <laughs> walls blow walls blow walls balls <laughs> So I, I, you know, kind of like went down a rabbit hole on this book, and I guess it was like very popular after World War II, like in Britain and in Australia, mm. and I guess like amongst like Australian, you know, like young youth, like youth hipsters around this time period, like they would like they would read it and like dedicate like certain poems that were found it because basically just like a collection of like Persian poems, mm-hmm. and like they would like dedicate them to um, you know their loved ones and whatnot. Uh, but one person was talking about like, yeah, there's a lot of like love poems in there. And you mentioned like there's a lot of self-help within there, but it's a lot of like, um, it's almost like a nine inch nails ish kind of vibe to some of the, like the poems or it's like a lot of like quasi almost suicidal, uh, poems that you could find in there. And there's actually a couple of cases where p- some youths in Australia like had committed suicide and place the rubaiyat on top of their body before they committed the suicide. Well, there. Well, you bring up that. Um, I, I thought it was gonna. I thought it was uh, labeled as like one giant long poem. Mm. Um, th- that's the way that the the book was advertised as. It's what's supposed to be one giant long poem, kind of like the Bible, I guess. Um, <laughs> um, but um, yeah, there's there's another famous case in Australia. Where a man was found with the rubaiyat as as he had committed suicide. So when he when this guy was found, they linked that together. It's like, oh, that's just like a thing people are doing. Then mm-hmm. like you know, um, we've talked about like catching the ride. The catching the ride has been like constantly linked to uh, uh, assassinations and like suicide mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, so maybe this was catching the ride before catching the ride, but um, um, 
but it was also like something that was gifted to like during World War One. A lot of it, it was like a, lovers would gift it to each other as mm-hmm. like a as a like I'm thinking of you kind of thing as they're going off to war. So it was a pretty popular book around the time period. Mm-hmm. Um, like a Drake I, album. Like a Drake album. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Man, remember when Drake was good? <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I mean, obviously it didn't stand really the test of time because I had again I had never heard about it besides this case. It's kind. Of, I mean, it's the 1940s, so I mean, it's just like if you ever talk to like an elderly person, like my grandma would talk about like, oh, you remember that song from 1922 Skidoo? They went like, and I'm like, nah, grandma, I'm too busy bumping the Chronic or the fucking new Drake album right now. <laughs> Didn't know about that. Yeah, man. Uh, I mean, but books kind of like stand the test of time. Books are weird. Books, books. People still read the Bible. That shit don't make any goddamn sense. <laughs> The views and expressions. Uh, this book is like fucking, this is some backward-ass bullshit right here. This guy murdered his son. <laughs> <laughs> he was about to, but then God stepped in and said, nah, it's cool, man. This you guy, have enough faith. This guy murdered the entire earth so this guy could uh Except for two the, of each animal, okay? Besides two of each, so he can have his, uh, his, uh, his boat zoo. <laughs> we decided to kill the entire planet. Fucking crazy shit. And that's actually the Russell Crowe movie that you can buy at fucking Big Lots right now. For Which five. Russell Crowe movie is that? It's called... Remember the Titans? No, it's uh, The Ark or some shit like oh. that. But you can buy it on Blu-ray at Big Lots right now for five ninety nine on Blu-ray. That's nuts. That's good stuff. Dude, if you find your fucking Blu-ray at fucking Big Lots, that's not a fucking good sign. Dude, I uh, have you ever watched uh, Passion of the Christ on Laserdisc? Not on Laserdisc, no. Dude, it's so much better on Laserdisc. <laughs> Do you still have to like take it out and like flip it over to side B? Yeah, it's like four sides. It's like vinyls. Oh, really? Like <laughs> God, that's a lot of work. Yeah, it's like you know, every time that that he gets tempted by by the devil, you have to flip it. <laughs> it's weird. Have a boogie. <laughs> Anyways, um, so yeah, I mean, it was a popular book, <laughs> the Rubaiyat. Yeah. So. Um, they put out like the, again in the media, they put like in, they put it out there like, Hey, uh, we found Cause at this time it started like the black Dahlia starting to catch wind in the media. Like it's just like, who is this, this, this J- John Doe that we have here in Adelaide? Like, who is this guy? Like, is this, it's just a snowball. It's just like these weird events that just keep happening. And this is like, they get very invested in the local newspaper. So the police are saying like, Hey, we found this, this new piece of paper, uh, that says to mom shoot that says it is finished. It is done. This is, you know, possibly a homicide now that we're, you know, looking into it. And uh, we we brought in some librarians and they say that it comes from this book called the Rubaiyad. And so like, hey, if anybody has this random ass book, like, please check the back of this book, because I guess there's like that that saying is like on the final page of this book. Like, hey, can you please check and see like if this is missing in there? And so, you know, it was very much in the media for quite a while. And I believe, some, depending on what story you want to, like, believe, uh, some people say that, that you know, two weeks later, you know, a man came forward, you know, with this book. And some people say, you know, that, hey, they got this book before they even found 
the body of the Summerton man. So there's a lot of uh, mm, telephone. I hadn't heard of that at all. Yeah, there's a lot of telephone going back and forth on here. I'm just going to assume for the sake of the story that they found it afterwards. Like who finds a book with like a missing page and like brings it to the police? Like it doesn't, that doesn't make any sense to me. Otherwise, like the police would just have like a big old stack of books like in the back of their precinct or whatnot, right? So yeah, I hadn't heard that at all. I heard that they put out information like, hey, if anybody's missing this sp- particular one, um, you know, we're looking for this particular book. This one guy says, like, hey, I found this book. Somebody threw it in the back of my car. It's been mm-hmm. in the back of my car. Um, the 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 reason why this one was, you know, he's not just a liar, was because, one, it matched the exact same cutout of it. But, two, and this is the thing, this particular pressing of the Rubaiyat had a very unique um, textile to, to, mm-hmm. each, to each character. So, and it matched the same textile. So... That was already like, wow, that's like a really unique textile that the, the, the font is on this one. And this guy has a matching one of it. Mm-hmm. So that's where they were like, oh, this guy must be telling the truth. Yeah. And uh, the guy that found it in his car, uh, he was actually parked um, by the Somerton Beach uh, that very same day. Uh-huh. And he said that, you know, he was, you know, enjoying a stroll down, you know, the, you know, the, you know, down the beach or whatever, like with his brother-in-law. And, um. He said that that both of them, when they got back in the car, they noticed the book, and each one of them thought it was that person's book, and that's why they kind of just left it in there. And um, the man who turned it in, who wanted to stay anonymous, and to this day we don't know his name because he told the police he didn't want, you know, his name to be all out there in the the paper and whatnot. Uh, He said the reason why he held on to the book for so long is because he thought it was his brother-in-law's book. So he put it in, you know, the glove compartment. And then finally after a few days later. So, I mean, if somebody leaves like a Drake album, like in the fucking back of your seat or whatever, you're gonna, or if you find like a Drake album in the back of your seat, I'm, you know, me and Art are going to Taco Bell or whatever, right? I'm just going to assume like that that's your Drake album. But Art over here is thinking like, oh, I don't know, maybe Jacob's feeling a little bit emotional right now. And he just wants to hear like, you know, some good, fucking good old soul Drake or whatever. You know, we're not going to turn that into the police. And so he puts it in the glove compartment, believing, you know, it was his brother-in-law's, you know, book. And after a while, just like I would, I'd be like, hey, Art, why the fuck did you, do you want your fucking Drake CD back? It's been sitting in my glove compartment in my car now for fucking two months now. Like, do you want this shit back? And Art's going to be like, I don't fucking listen to Drake. Like, are you kidding me, man? I'm too busy over here fucking listening to fucking uh, J. Cole and shit and fucking Mm. Death Grips and shit to be listening to fucking Drake. Drake's album and nothing was the same is really good. Mm-hmm. I'll say that he yeah. he's had some bangers, but uh, these last few albums that he's put out have been duds. Yeah, so it's one of the last few albums or whatever, yeah. right? So he tells the brother-in-law tells the dude he's like, "Yo, no, that's not my book. I don't even know what the fuck the Rubaiyat is." And he's like, "Well, fuck! I thought this was your book or whatever." And so as he's reading his paper, eating his his post toasties or whatever they eat in like 1948 or whatever, right? He notices like, "Oh shit! Like this is the book that's like chilling out like in my fucking glove compartment." Let me look to the last page to see if this to mom should has been you know torn out of my book. And sure enough, it was. So he brings it to the police. The police examine it, and they notice something funny like on the last page. Uh, where they see like, you know how like when you're like writing a check or like you're writing like hardcore notes like art is right here uh-huh. and like you can see like the indentation from the pen. They notice like what to be like some kind of code was written out um, in the back page of this book. So it looks like just jar jarbled up gibberish to mm-hmm. be quite honest if you look at the actual images of, of what the code is. But 
but amongst all that code, I don't know if you want to go go into the code. We can we can talk about the code later on and what it means. But mm. the code itself to this day has not been cracked. If no. it is a code, it's believed to be um, what's it called when you just shorthand. take like what like shorthand shorthand. Uh, it's believed to just be like the first letter of like uh like a saying or something like that, and they just put it all together, and it just looks like random letters all together. Mm-hmm. But there were two phone numbers um listed listed on this uh, amongst the code at the very end um one of them i believe was just to like a random department store that didn't really add up to anything i heard it was a dentist office yeah it was something like that that didn't really add up to anything and mm. the, the guy was like i have no idea what you're talking about i never heard of this person you have the wrong number and then the other one is the more interesting one mm-hmm. uh, what is this woman's name joe joe thompson let me look it up real quick. Um, or you look it up and I'll talk more about it. So they, this phone number that they found, the, the the one they were about to talk about, is an actual local phone number. So I think the phone number that they went to, like, the dentist office or whatever, like it was somewhere somewhere elsewhere, like I believe, like in Australia, uh, that had nothing to do with Adelaide or Somerton or whatnot. Uh, but the phone number they find was actually this nurse's phone number who actually lived 400 meters away from where the Somerton man's body was actually found. So meters to fucking, you know, feet or, you know, it's very fucking, it's very short distance. So like basically a hop, skip and a jump away from where the Somerton man's body was actually found. Yeah, man. Just looking at the note right now, it looks like a fucking mess. Like it's just Jessica Thompson, Jessica Thompson. Man, I think it it kind of looks like a code, but at the same time, like I don't understand who writes like that. Mm. It looks very zodiacish. Exactly, like that's what I was thinking. Like it was like some kind of uh. Yeah, it's like W R G. I was gonna say zero, but it could be an O. A B A B D, and then it looks like they scratched out something. Yeah, I I don't know. It, it has it has code written all over. Yeah, but I have no idea what. What it is. Oh, somebody hand wrote it over here what the code is. But yeah, to this day, it's still not solved. Yeah. So we're going to end the episode on that because as crazy as this story is, it gets a lot crazier afterwards when we're talking about, especially when we start to get into uh, this uh, nurse that, um, (laughs) that, you know, whose phone number was only 400 meters away from his dead body. It uh, gets into a lot of like family history. Then investigators get involved. Marriages, children, DNA. Yeah, cum is everywhere. It, it gets wild. So jizz is everywhere. Yes. So uh, we're gonna go ahead and put a pin on this episode, just for the sake of we just want to do the story right, because uh, there is a lot of information, and we just don't want to fucking just glaze over all of that. So tune in to next week where we get into the actual the second half of the story. And probably we'll get into what our theories is of who actually is the Summerton man. Yeah. Man, what wild episode, guys. I <laughs> hope you guys are ready for another one. Dude, I remember really quickly, uh, one time uh, I was dating this girl and I gave her a book. And I thought it would be really clever to write that in the back of the book. What? That Tom Shalom or whatever. Like I was like, I'm going to write Really? That. Yeah. And then we broke up, so it made sense. Like if we broke up. You know, I you know when you know when you like know a relationship's coming to an end, mm-hmm. and, but I still like her birthday had just passed, so I I got her a gift, and one of the gifts was a book, and I just put that in there. So this um, was after you had already broken up. 
Um, are you like at the yeah, end of the was, road? Like it was like at the end of the road. Yeah, it was. We were at the end of the road, and it was just like it was. It was. Uh, that's. I was really into this case at that time period, like way too much. So, but um, that's fucking poetic as shit. But I was like, man, here you go. And I don't know if she ever read the book. I don't know if she like, you know, things ended in a weird way. But I just. I don't know why I just remembered that right now. I was like, man. you wrote that. Lo- like, I just wrote it in, in the at the end of the book. To Mama Shud. Yeah, I was like, here you go. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> that is both genius and dickish at the same time. Well, we didn't, we didn't, I, yeah, I suppose so. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Art and this mysterious ex-girlfriend. Uh, but with that said, Art, do you have anything else before we? Uh, no, I'll tell you about me, but with two shell, I was with Jack Mattel, I was born. Um, uh, make sure to spade and neuter your pets. And that's pretty much it. You know, part two of this episode, we'll see you guys in two and two. (laughs) So with that said, everybody, guys, make sure if you (laughs) want to talk to us more about this episode, uh, hit us up on the social media at Art and Jacob Do America on all the social medias, except for Twitter. We are at Art and Jacob Do A1. Make sure you go ahead and support us on the Patreon. Uh, funny story about the Patreon. Art and I had a fucking super intense Patreon. We actually did almost two Patreons. I don't know if the second one was actually ever going to be released or not, but it was a pretty intense fucking like corazon moment, like where we got where Art got super deep. And I was I don't know if we were going to release that, but both fucking episodes somehow some way got fucking deleted. got deleted or whatever. Fucking fucking the the fucking globalists did not want us to fucking release that, and we almost weren't able to record this episode. Uh, because of it for some fuckery reason my computer didn't want to record these episodes so we lost that patreon we'll get you a patreon uh but like i say to you guys nine times out of ten the patrons that we release the patreon episodes that we release every single week are better than the actual episodes that you're hearing for free every week so going over to the patreon if you want to support us uh, you'll get a bonus episode every single week as well as some other free shit like fucking stickers and, you know, shit that our fucking sponsors or ex-sponsors send us. I've been bottling uh, jars of, of jizz to send out to the Patreons. The, the, for and Christmas? I, yeah, just, well, just in general. I'm just Rosh Hashanah? Nice, I'm just a nice guy. <laughs> I'm just, here you go. Here's your jar of jizz. Um, dude, really quickly before we end the episode, and not to get, like, too far off topic, but uh, someone recently on Facebook posted that... um. <laughs> That they miss Ja Rule, they miss his voice. <laughs> really? I, and um, I won't say who this person was, but all I could think about was, like, why? Like, I, I thought about sending it to you when I saw that. I think I took a picture of it because I was just Please like, send that to me. Like, l- let me see if I took a picture of it really quickly. So, so while so Art is looking for that picture, make sure you go to the Patreon at patreon.com slash America. Sign up, get a bonus episode every single oh, week. Here it is. I, I took a picture of it because it was, and I, I I don't know if you can see, but at the bottom, I uh, I was gonna write something and send it, and I had to stop myself from sending it. <laughs> <laughs> she would say some bullshit like that. And I was just like, "What in the world are you talking about?" <laughs> <laughs> Almost like that better that you didn't respond and you just put your response as screen captured. Yeah, I was like, I, I I I felt bad if I sent it because I was like, "Oh, it's such an asshole thing to say," but. Man, it's so funny at the same time. Given the fact that the the deleted Patreon, everything that you told me on that Patreon, I'm glad you didn't send that just <laughs> due to the, whatever you told the, what you told me on the hidden Patreon episode. So if you want to hear some hidden Patreon stuff, go there. Uh, if you want to support us as well, go to tpublic.com. 
we got four different designs up there where you can buy a t-shirt, you can buy a mug, you can buy whatever that has fucking R and Jacob Do America logo on it. And it's not so much to fucking put money in our pockets or help support the podcast financially, but it helps get the good work out there. Shout out to Jordan. He went to like a bar, I believe it was the Alley Cat, and he was putting our stickers all oh, up there. So. Jordan is like the the Lord's work is all he does. That's all Jordan is. He's like a monk of this podcast. Jordan's a big Disney head. We were, we kind of geeked out about um, Maleficent the other day. Oh really? We were, yeah. Apparently, like he's a big Malefic- Maleficent fan, and um, he was kind of jealous that I got I got to meet Maleficent face to face. We oh, got yeah? to break bread, and he's like, "Bro, how'd you do that? How'd you score Maleficent?" <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "Dude, did you get her autograph I, in the a, Disney a book?" Gentlemen, just not kiss and tell. Do they still do? I don't. They're not doing that during COVID. They're not doing Disney books right now. Oh but, shit! Uh, not a big, not a big Disney book uh, guy. But uh, I did buy that. The funny thing is, I that same trip, and I didn't do this because like because of Jordan. We talked about that later on, but I did buy. Um, Oh, Fantasmic, which is like where where uh, Mickey Mickey the, the the gentleman that owns Disneyland mm-hmm. uh, fights uh-huh. fights uh, a Maleficent in dragon form, mm-hmm. and uh, there's this whole like theater that he does uh, through water and spectacles. And I bought the the sweatshirt because I was like, that's a sick ass sweatshirt. And then he was like, I feel bad because I feel like I'm just rubbing his face that I met. I'm, I'm, I actually met Maleficent, and like now it's like, dude, not to rub it in your face, but like I also got the sweatshirt. <laughs> so you can suck on that, Jordan. Who is a Magic Key member? Yeah, me. he's a great guy. Yeah, he's a Magic Key guy. Yeah, so shout out to you, uh, Jordan Olgeen, and his podcast, uh, Words Are Hard. Uh, you can check that out every single week. Uh, but if you want to hear some other great podcasts, guys, we are official members of the Podbelly Network. Uh, so go on over to podbelly.com where you can listen to the great, powerful Sofa King. Uh, podcast as well as my homeboy Eddie at the RRBG podcast. Dude, he over just, at Pod. He just did you see? You just interviewed. Mm-hmm. He he just interviewed uh, Joe Biden, Sleepy Joe. Fuck, how did he get yeah. it, dude? And then like the but, funny thing. So if you listen to the interview, it's a really good interview. <laughs> they interview each other while drinking Sleepy Time tea. Oh wow! And like to see who could stay awake the longest. Dude. And they did it at like eleven thirty at night, so you know that shit's gonna be crazy. Dude, that's nuts. It's almost like that one Stifler movie. I believe it's Role Models, like where they they fucking do am- not ambient. It was like some some drug that makes you go to sleep or whatever. Yeah. And they fucking like try to have sex and come before like they fall asleep or whatever. Oh yeah. It's kind of like that. Yeah, so. dude. Apparently, so like I don't know how he set this up with the president of the United States, but like he's got connections, he, bro. He, he basically like I guess they both did an entire day of Disneyland and then they decided to drive <laughs> from from Anaheim to Bakersfield to oh shit so that's like a almost three hour drive depending on traffic yeah they did that while recording the podcast and drinking sleepy time tea and I was like dude how in the world did you do that you guys are gonna both be really sleepy that's <laughs> that's an intense drive but it was a three hour podcast yeah it was good stuff so shout out to him and shout out to all y'all and with that said we'll see you next week good night Here's a clipping here from the Adelaide Advertiser of, of July the following year, and this mentions uh, the police interest in a woman in Adelaide through the fact that, um, can I read it? Uh, the police located the woman from a telephone number also written in pencil on the back of the book. This is the book, the code writing on the back. The woman, who wishes to remain anonymous, told police that when she was nursing at the North Shore Hospital in Sydney about three and a half years ago, she gave a copy of the Roubaix art to an Australian Army lieutenant who was serving in the water transport section.
the woman said the, she subsequently went to Melbourne and she, uh, she married and her mother received a letter from the fellow and, um, and uh, so, sometime in 1948 somebody called up the fl block of flats next door inquiring after a nurse that he once knew. She's not sure if it was the same man and she's not sure if the man on the beach is the man she gave the book to but uh, the police think that it's a bit coincidental that there is the link between the two, you know. So there's, there's possibly a good example of the, an affair of the heart there. It's like this, then who gives a fuck about those? So just chill to the next episode.